everyone, and welcome to another episode of Bravo Tea with Jared B. I'm your host, Jared B., and I'm very excited to be here with you today. This is episode two. If you have not listened to yesterday's episode yet, please go ahead and give that a listen. It's basically just an introduction into myself. I uh, talk about, you know, which shows I started watching on Bravo, what, 20 years ago. I talked about the shows I currently watch, and I uh, gave a little of my personal opinion on some of my favorite Real Housewife shows. I gave my ranking from my best to worst Real Housewife shows. You know, I've already heard from some friends who disagree with me. That is okay if you disagree with me. Um, You know, we don't have to agree on the same thing. This is my perspective. But this is a community of voices. And, you know, once this podcast gets to the place where, you know, I have enough listeners, I want you to provide your comments and your questions so I can read them on the show and respond to you. So stay tuned for that. But, you know, we got to get some more listeners. So, you know, share you know, to your friends, to your family, to your co-workers, anyone that you know that loves Bravo, let them know about this brand new podcast called Bravo Tea with Jared B. Um, so Monday, uh, not Monday, Sunday, May 7th, we saw the premiere of uh, The Real Housewives of Atlanta. It was season 15, episode one. We also had the series premiere of Summer House Martha's Vineyard. And um, Monday, we had a brand new episode of OG Summer House. So on today's episode, I'm going to be recapping and discussing Real Housewives of Atlanta, Summer House Martha's Vineyard, and OG Summer House. So let's get started. Um, Before I discuss the Real Housewives of Real Housewives of Atlanta. That's a bit of a tongue twister, isn't it? Real Housewives of Atlanta. Um, I wanted to discuss this breaking news that came out on Monday. Of course, TMZ, always the first to the story. Um, We found out that Kim Zosiak, if you don't know who that is, she is a former Real Housewife of Atlanta. Don't, don't be tardy for the party. Oh, whoa. Uh, that's her song. You know, Housewife always needs to make a song. And it was kind of a hit song. Don't be tardy for a party. Check it out. She needs the money. Um, so she is a former Real Housewife of Atlanta. She was on for like five seasons. And she made, you know, sporadic guest appearances over the years. And she's also going to be making an appearance this season with uh, other OG cast members, Lisa Wu and Deshaun Snow. They were also on season one of The Real Housewives of Atlanta. So uh, according to In Touch magazine, uh, Kim Zosiak Bierman has filed from divorce from her husband, Croy Bierman, who used to play for the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, they have been married for 11 years um, and actually... In Touch Magazine is reporting that the former NFL player, who's 37, changed his Instagram bio on Tuesday, May 9th, to include the sentence, my ring meant a thing, seeming to hint at his wedding ban. So um, the retired football player filed for divorce from Kim 
on Monday, May 8th, with the Fulton County Superior Court, according to paper obtained by In Touch. In the filing, Croy claimed that his marriage to Kim is irretrievably broken. He added that he has other grounds also to file and reserve the right to amend his petition. Let's see what else. Um, there's been a lot in the news about Croy and Kim over the past couple of months because their house in Milton was up for foreclosure. It was going to be auctioned off and then they brokered a deal where they were able to pay an amount and so now they have their house back. Um, but according to Truist Bank, they were overseeing the sale of the property based on a $1.65 million mortgage the Beermans established in 2013. The home, according to the foreclosure notice, was being sold due to the couple's failure to pay the indebtedness as when due and in the manner provided. The pair later worked out a deal to keep the home from being sold. InTouch previously confirmed in October of 2022 that the reality TV couple paid failed to pay back a $300,000 loan taken out on the 6,900-square-foot home resulting in foreclosure proceedings. Also, their financial woes continue as it was reported on May 8th that the pair owes the IRS $1.1 million in unpaid taxes, interest, and penalties from 2013 to 2017 and 2018. That is what is going on with Kim Zosiak. My question is, does this mean Kim is coming back to the Real Housewives of Atlanta? I went on Twitter. A lot of viewers of the show say they don't want Kim back. Very few people actually said they would be interested in Kim having Kim back. The thing is, it's like, Kim obviously needs to make an income. Her spinoff, uh, Tardy for the Party, or Don't Be Tardy, that was on Bravo for eight years, is no more. I don't even know how that show lasted on air for eight years, but good for her. Clearly, she did not save her money. Um, and it always seemed like Kim Zosiak was the kind of person that spent an absorbent amount of money. She's always loved designer clothes and fancy vacations and fancy cars. And I guess she could not keep up with the Joneses because she is not a Jones. Um, so like the only way for Kim Zosiak to make a living is to come back to the Real Housewife, either in a full-time capacity as a housewife or as a friend of. Do the viewers want Kim back? Maybe not. Does Bravo want Kim back? Possibly. Would Andy want Kim back to uh, <laughs> exploit what's going on in Kim Zosiak's personal life? Probably. I'm sure Andy Cohen has already spoken to Kim. Um, so let's get into the Real Housewives of Atlanta. This was season 15, episode one. Show the episode title is Who's Gonna Check My New Boo? Um, I will say I loved the black and white 1920s Great Gatsby uh, opening to the season premiere, which is actually a flash forward to when they're walking into Ross's uh, 40th birthday party, I believe. 
Um, we start off at Chateau Charest. Chateau Charest, that's a big house. It's a beautiful house. And, uh, you know, I'm happy that she has this house. You know, it took her like five to seven years to finish building it. So I'm happy that Charest can, uh, you know, luxuriate in her hard work in building Chateau Charest. Um, we are introduced to Martel Holt. Uh, that is that man that you see with Sheree in her house. Um, they are allegedly dating. And I say allegedly because I don't believe that they are actually dating. I believe that Sheree brought Martel on the show for the show. Because at the end of the day, these ladies need a storyline. And having Martel on the show contributes to a storyline. Sheree can say, this is my boyfriend. Or we're dating, even though they're playing coy on whether they are actually exclusive. Now, here's why I'm disappointed with Sheree in this opening scene. And I'm going to break it down for you. If you do not know who Martel Holt is, he is um, on another reality show called Love and Marriage Huntsville. I believe that airs on the Oprah Winfrey Network. And it is produced by Carlos King. If you have never heard of Carlos King... Carlos King is the former executive producer of The Real Housewives of, Housewives of Atlanta. He was the executive producer for several seasons. Actually, he produced some of the best seasons of The Real Housewives of Atlanta, in my opinion. Uh, Carlos King also produced seasons one and two of The Real Housewives of New, New Jersey. So two years ago... Uh, a year or two ago, we found out that Martel Holt uh, cheated on his now ex-wife. He was married to for 14 years. Uh, it was revealed on Love and Marriage Huntsville. I do not watch the show, by the way. Um, he had a mistress. For seven of the 14 years, he was married to his ex-wife, Melody Holt. And that seven-year affair also resulted in a child. So when I say I'm disappointed with Sheree, who gonna check me, boo, Whitfield, I'm disappointed because why does she have this man on this show with him? As you remember last season, Sheree was stood up in Philly waiting to meet with her um, then-boyfriend, Tyrone, who spent like seven years in prison. For seven years, Sheree was in a relationship with a man who was in prison. He got out of prison. He was in a halfway house, I believe, in the Philadelphia area. Sheree sitting outside at a restaurant waiting for Tyrone to show up. Tyrone does not show up. Tyrone is not answering the phone when Sheree is calling. Tyrone has her number blocked. Tyrone humiliated Sheree on national television. We fast forward to the next season, and here Sheree is with another man with the shady history who is known to have hurt his ex-wife in an emotional way. And here Sheree is kikiing with uh, Martel Holt and Chateau Sheree. Um, we know that, you know, Sheree has not had a consistent, uh, a great pattern with love that we have seen on The Real Housewives of Atlanta. Now, here's, if I was Sheree, this is how I would have started the season. Every other, not every other word, every fifth or sixth word out of my mouth would have been she by Sheree. She by Sheree. She 
by Sheree. If you have never heard of She by Sheree, She by Sheree is Sheree Whitfield's clothing line. I believe it's like an athleisure line. Sheree Whitfield debuted She by Sheree last season on the Real Housewives Real Housewives of Atlanta, even though Sheree first introduced to us the concept of uh, She by Sheree in season two of the Real Housewives of Atlanta. I feel like a lot of these things I'm saying are like tongue twisters. There's a lot of She by Sheree, uh, Sheree Whitfield, Real Housewives of Atlanta. There's a lot of like mumble jumble happening with my mouth, but you know, I'm going to keep it moving. Um, so like, I think it was part three or part two of the Royal Housewives of Atlanta reunion last year on the last part of the reunion was also the launch of She by Sheree. It turns out that the website was the website was crashing. Uh, Sheree Woodfield would tell you, uh, that's a good thing because so many people were trying to get on the website to buy products. The question is, how many people were actually able to buy products? That is the question. Um, also, you know, if I ended my season with an L, it was all over the internet that sh- the She by Sheree website was not working. It was also reported that the designs of some of her athleisure wear are copies of athleisure wear from Shein, the brand Shein that's on the internet. I've never shopped with them, so I'm not aware of what their merch looks like. But if I'm coming off of being humiliated humiliated like that with the launch of my business, best believe I'm going to come into the next season talking about my business, talking about the progress of my business. I'm going to be, uh, listen, she should have had uh, dummies sitting in the foyer, the foyer of Chateau Sheesh, Chateau Chiray, uh, dummies with She by Sheree clothing on them. Like every moment, every angle the camera would get in my house, you would see She by Sheree. You would see the product. What I did love is that Sheree was wearing She by Sheree, not only in this moment, but also when uh, Sanya comes to work out later on. Everywhere the camera went, Every camera angle, every section of my house, you would have seen my merchandise. You would have seen in the foyer of my house on dummies, She by Sheree. Uh, You would have seen She by Sheree signs all over my house. You know, you have to Bethany Frankel this situation. And I say this because this is Sheree Whitfield's third time on The Real Housewives of Atlanta. Sheree is an OG, but Sheree has been fired twice and hired three times. And you have to strike while the iron is hot because based on the pattern of Sheree getting fired and hired, you know, next season is probably her last season until she is gone for another four seasons and Bravo decides to bring her back. So, you know, Sheree really has to market this product And I feel like she's not taking it seriously. And I say that again, because who do we see in our house? The scandalous Martell Holt. And so um, we see Martell and Sheree talking uh, in their kitchen, eating um, about how Candy um, was talking crap about Martell, saying that he is an opportunist. Uh, Bravo shows a clip, a very short clip, 
basically, it seems like confirming what Sheree and Martel are complaining about. But let me tell you this. I actually went on Twitter. I found the clip of the conversation that uh, Candy was supposedly calling Martel an opportunity, an opportunist. That what Bravo showed you is like a tiny sliver of the actual conversation. From what I watched, Candy seemed genuinely concerned. Candy understands that Sheree has not had much luck with love. And so Sheree is just look, uh, Candy's looking out for Sheree and concerned that Martel might be using Sheree's stature on the Real Housewives of Atlanta as a come up for himself. I think that's a valid concern. I, If that were my friend, I would be concerned about that. So I'm actually going to um, play a clip of Candy talking on this interview. Here you go. What he did, so... What you thinking? Like, what's your thoughts on it? I don't want to give my thought. Please, come on, come on, come on, come on. What you think? I don't want to give. You like it? Are you? Are you hate it? Love or hate? I don't love or hate. You here for it? Is he invited to the couples cookout? Now that you've heard this clip, now you can make a decision for yourself. So next, we move on to Candy's scene. Candy's hanging out with the candy-coated clique, with Don Juan, with Carmen. And uh, Candy is talking about how she has tried to help Sheree with She by Sheree. Uh, the website crashed on launch day. Sheree doesn't invest in herself. <laughs> Don Juan said that she's not selling anything. That's very shady, Don Juan. But is she selling anything? That's the real question. Is she by Sheree selling anything? 
I would like to know. Hopefully, Sheree can provide those receipts at the reunion. I would love to see that. I'm sure viewers would love to see that. If if there's any person on the Real Housewives of Atlanta I would take business advice from, it is uh, Candy M- Moneybags Burris. Candy, if you don't know who she is, she's a Grammy award-winning songwriter. She wrote No Scrubs for TLC. She wrote, I believe, Bugaboo for Destiny's Child. Well, yeah, co-wrote with Destiny's Child. Um, she's written for NSYNC. She's written for Pink. She's written for Alicia Keys. She's written for, uh, I think, Whitney Houston as well. Um, also, last week, Candy also got nominated for a Tony Award for producing a play. And Candy was nominated for an Emmy Award all in the same week. So if there's one person to take advice from, it is Candy Moneybags Burris. Take her advice. Please take her advice. So we can see, you know, she by Sheree and Dick Sporting Goods. You know, like the the possibilities are endless when you have a platform like The Real Housewives. You come on the show to use the platform to build something because being a housewife does not last forever. And if you don't know that, Look at all these housewives that have come and gone, who you don't hear from anymore, who are dying to come back on the show. Um, so then we have uh, Kenya Moore shows up. Monietta Shaw shows up. If you don't know who Monietta Shaw is, now she's an official friend of the cast. Monietta Shaw is the ex-wife and the mother of to Neo's, I believe, first two kids. Monietta was married to Neo, and I think that Neo was unfaithful in his marriage to Monietta, so that's why they are no longer married. Uh, But Monietta is someone. She is connected to the community via Neo, and it's good to see her on the show. I'm excited to see what Monietta is going to bring to this season. Um, You know, I was... Shocked to hear that Kenya has been getting divorced since 2019. She's been separated for four years from Mark. The man who she married after knowing him for a couple of months, they had a baby together, and Mark is apparently some restaurateur in New York, maybe has just one restaurant. But right now, they're fighting in the courts because Mark, her soon-to-be ex-husband, is trying to get spousal support from Kenya Moore. She's also He is also trying to get Kenya Moore's house the house that Kenya Moore worked her tuckus off to build from the ground up, her husband, who owns a restaurant in Brooklyn, is fighting to take Kenya's house. And I think that's sad that their marriage has, or the divorce proceedings has gotten to that point. Um, as we see, Martel, 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 that's who's coming up. The ladies are talking. Kenya is saying that Martel slid into Kenya's DMs. Now, Kenya went was on Watch What Happens Live later uh, on Sunday, yeah, and uh, Andy asked her about the DM sliding in, and Kenya basically said it was it was a nothing. Like, you know, Martel reached out to her uh, in the DMs. It wasn't as salacious as Shady Kenya tried to make it seem on the show, but you know how Kenya Moore does. She's going to stir the pot for the TV show. Um, so Kenya just f- said she just felt like Sheree deserved to know that Martel slid in her DMs. Um, 
you know, it makes me sad to see Candy break down the way she is um, about her work-life balance. One thing that we have seen over the past couple of seasons is Candy and Todd, they work a lot. They are constantly building new businesses. Like I said, um, they produce shows. Um, they have products. Candy has a sex toy line called Bedroom Candy. Um, you know, they they work as a team. They work individually to build businesses for their family so that they can build generational wealth for their children, and I admire that. The question is, how much work is too work? Too much work. I understand Candy and Todd are trying to strike while the iron is hot and make sure that they are building these businesses while they still have the platform to talk about these businesses. But the question is, do you think Candy works too much? Because we see Ace on the phone saying, Mommy, I miss you. And I'm sure a lot of working mothers... You know, you know, they they probably, you know, sympathize with that that hurt that Candy is dealing with. You know, Candy's trying to do the best she can to provide for her family, which she has, but also, you know, her son is young and wants his mom. Um, so like, but also like this has been a consistent storyline of Candy and Todd's is like too much work. So it's like can we get another storyline, please? Um, next, we move on to Sanya, the Jamaican queen. Uh, Sanya has nine family members. There's nine people living in Sanya's house. Nine people. She has a full house. That I mean, already this concept sounds like a spinoff for a reality show called Sanya and Company on Bravo. I just don't think Bravo viewers are interested enough in Sanya to want that reality show. But I could see how Sanya would love to have her family in the house with her so the cameras can catch it. So maybe Bravo would be interested in a possible spinoff for Sanya. I can see that happening. Can you see that happening? Um, I So Sanya is throwing a 40th birthday party for her husband, who is, I believe, a two-time Super Bowl champion. I don't know football like that. I like tennis and soccer. So, you know, let me know if I'm wrong about Ross being a two-time Super Bowl champion. Um, but the theme for Ross's birthday is Harlem Nights. And I actually watched this movie uh, about a month ago. It's starring Eddie Murphy, Richard Pryor, Red Fox, Jasmine Guy, Arsenio Hall, Della Reese. It was written and directed by Eddie Murphy, and it came out in 1989. I really enjoyed that movie. It's like a gangster movie, 1920s Prohibition era. If you have not seen Harlem Nights, check it out. Ignore the reviews on Rotten Tomato. Um, so back to Sanya, Sonia, and her family. Um, Sanya is talking about the dynamics of her family. She, again, she has family living in her house, and basically she employs her family. Sanya's sister did her hair. Her mom and dad did her management. And now her brother-in-law is her assistant. Now, I love that Sanya is trying to keep the business in the family, spread the wealth, but uh, are there any healthy boundaries? Imagine living with your family and also working with your family and also feeling the pressure to make business happen so you have opportunities for your family. Like, is this 
going to bubble up to some major drama between Sanya and her family. Because I believe in the trailer, we see Sanya crying because she wants her family to move out. So stay tuned with that. Um, now we get like a quick glimpse of Kenya's life. Uh, we see Kenya's daughter, Brooklyn. I believe she's three or four. She's so adorable. She's getting big. And then we kind of just move straight on to Marlo's uh, townhouse. Uh, Marlo Hampton, this is her second season as a full-time housewife. Marlo was also a friend of for like eight seasons, a longtime friend. I believe that Marlo deserved the peach to be, you know, when I say she deserved the peach, she became a full-time housewife last season. Uh, I don't know if she was a great housewife. Like, Marlo's a lot, and I feel like she does things for the camera. And so, like, even though I think Marlo was a great friend of, Marlo might be too much for the viewers to be a full-time housewife because now we're getting more Marlo than we have ever before. But I love seeing Marlo as the auntie mom or as mom or as they call her, Amante. Um, Marlo's earrings and her confessional are huge. They look like door knockers. I believe they said Alexander McQueen. Um... You know, I love the work that Marlo's doing with her nephews, with the life coach. She's uh, getting structure. She's opening lines of communication. She's develop She's helping her nephews develop emotional language. Uh, because if you remember last season, Marlo kicked her nephews out of the house. Not because they did anything terrible, but I believe Marlo was frustrated because, you know, her nephews weren't cleaning. They weren't cleaning up after themselves. They were being disobedient. They were being hard-headed. But but, you know, they were also being teenagers. And what Marlo did, um, Marlo sent her nephews to stay with her sister, or I believe her sister, or her cousin. Um, it might be her sister. Now, I believe Marlo's nephews, their mother is currently incarcerated and has possibly allegedly dealt with mental health issues and substance abuse problems. So that is why Marlo is taking care of her nephews and has been for the last three years. So after that, we come back to Chateau Charest. Uh, we see Sanya come over Chateau Charest and we see Charest wearing another uh, she by Sheree outfit. And then uh, we see editors put the price of the outfit, $274. Is anyone paying $274 for like a workout outfit? Like how much are people paying like for, how much are women paying for like Nike workout gear or Lululemon workout gear? Like it's $274, like, you know, pretty much the overall price for these kind of high-end, mid-end, you know, athleisure apparel. Um, let me know because I have no clue. I know like what Beyonce's Ivy Park cost. And it was, you know, some things were 100, 200, 250, 300, but that's Beyonce. This is just She by Sheree, by Sheree, you know, there's Beyonce and then there's Sheree, you know, it's not the same thing. Um, you know, again, Sheree's house is beautiful. It's huge. Um, and so we are introduced to also a friend of Courtney. And it seems like Courtney came to play. She has an opinion. 
it's clear that she watched last season because she mentions the fact that Candy was going around calling people asking if Courtney was saying she knows Candy. And Courtney mentions something very specific, that Candy is worldwide. And that is a reference to a conversation conversation that happened last season on The Real Housewives of Atlanta, where people were wondering who's more worldwide, Marlo or Candy? And Marlo thinks she's more worldwide, but I mean, Candy has sold millions of albums and have written, you know, hit songs for, you know, hit artists like Whitney Houston and Pink and Alicia Keys and Destiny's Child and TLC. So I believe Candy's probably more worldwide. But that's why I believe Courtney watched last season. Uh, you know, Sheree, I cannot believe that Sheree said this in her confessional. This is one thing about the Real Housewives of Atlanta. They're very shady in their confessionals. Uh, Sheree said that the only time, and I quote, the only time Candy isn't talking about her is when she is sucking D or eating. I'm going to leave you with that. So, um, let's see. Oh, we move on to uh, Ross's 40, oh, tongue twister, Ross's 40th birthday. Um, Sandy is saying that she paid a hundred grand for Ross's 40th birthday. And by the looks of that party, it does not look like a hundred grand. Now, if you go back to, uh, the last season of the Real Housewives of Miami and Dr. Nicole and her husband, Anthony's engagement party, and it was like this casino looking engagement party. And that looked like a hundred thousand dollar party. Sandy's party looked like, you know, a $50,000 party, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but I just think if we're going to give an amount and we're going to flex about spending a hundred grand on a party, then the party should look like what you have allegedly spent. That's all. Um, it seems like Candy's having a good time with these spoofs of her cast members. I feel like Candy's a little bit too busy to spend her time on the internet creating spoofs of her cast members. Like, you know... You know, I wouldn't say get a life candy, but do something else. Um, oh, my gosh. So in this party, Ross's 40th party, you see a lot of things at work. You see Monietta pulling Sheree aside to talk about Martell. You know, Monietta, as a friend of, is trying to make things happen. It seems like she's looking for a TV moment. Monietta is coming for a peach. Watch out for Monietta. On the other side of the party, you see Courtney and uh, Candy start going at it. Courtney is talking about, like, she doesn't see the big deal about, like, I guess saying that she is in the same group of friends with Candy. I think this was a petty fight, a very petty fight, kind of a dumb fight, but that's also the best things about the Real Housewives is that, you know, these petty arguments. Um, and then, you know, Courtney was really going in. Like, it seems like she was really looking for a moment, to have a moment on the show. And I think three things. Either this is who Courtney is as a person, Courtney is doing this to be on the show and get a peach, which means be a full-time housewife. Or Sheree bought Candy on the show to 
not Candy, Sheree brought Courtney on the show to come after Courtney. That's what I think is going on. Um, and then you see Candy get upset, and Candy's like, I'm about to headbutt this bitch. <laughs> and I laughed so hard because, like, I laughed and then I was also shocked because if you know Candy, like Candy is not argumentative. Candy doesn't really come for anyone. But like if you come for Candy, she's going to get activated and she's almost going to be ready to fight. And, you know, don't fight Candy. You don't want to ruin all the hard work you've put into your businesses. Just leave crazy Courtney alone. Leave crazy thirsty Courtney alone. Okay. Now, um, yeah. That was it on the Real Housewives of Atlanta, season 15, episode one. Who's going to check my new boo? Overall, I thought that was a good episode. I really did. I think it was a strong season opener. Obviously, there's more to come this season. I am looking forward to it. And when we come back, I will be discussing the series premiere of Summer House, Martha's Vineyard. So we're back with Summer House, Martha's Vineyard. This is season one, episode one, show title, episode title, Not Your Mama's Vineyard. Um, I really, I'm really excited for Summer's, Summer House, Martha's Vineyard. Um, what I find interesting about this cast is like the, the historical perspective that's being provided around the casting of the show. If people don't know... Um, Black people first arrived to Martha's Vineyard a long time ago. Uh, let me actually double check. I want to give you guys the correct information. You know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? Why can't I spell Google? Okay. Okay. So, according to the Googler, um, Massachusetts was actually the first state to abolish slavery, and African Americans had already built thriving lives and businesses in the state. Martha's Vineyard was part of the Underground Railroad, so it was known as a safe and welcoming community for African Americans. Um, affluent African-Americans from New York, Boston, and Washington would come to the Oak Bluffs, the only Martha's Vineyard town that welcomed black tourists, as other towns on the island did not allow black guests to stay in inns and hotels until the 1960s. So it seems like, well, not seems like, Martha's Vineyard was a refuge for black families, uh, wealthy black people. Uh, I think f for the past 100 years. I actually did not know that until the trailer came out for Summer House Martha's Vineyard. So if you're asking your the, the question of why does the cast look the way it does, and what I mean is predominantly black, with in comparison to OG Summer House, which is a diverse cast, here is your answer. I just gave you the history of Martha's Vineyard and the black community. 
Um, we see this house in Martha's Vineyard, which is massive. And I really want to know how much Bravo paid to book this house for the summer. It seems like they're only there for 16 days, so two weeks. Like, how much did Bravo pay for that house? Because it's huge. It's beautiful as well. Um, I also want to give you the name of the cast since this is a new group of people. We have Nick Arrington, Jasmine and Silas Cooper. They're the married couple. We have Jordan Emanuel. We have Bria, Shanice, Amir Lancaster, Jason Like, Preston Mitchum, Summer Marie Thomas, Alex Tyree, and it seems like Mariah is a friend of. That's the girl with the Bantu knots and the shells um, who kind of gave a sorry uh, twerk and lap dance to, I believe his name is Nick. Um, it seems as if they casted around Jasmine and Silas Cooper. And I say that because they're the first ones in the house. They're the ones welcoming the friends. And if you go back to OG Summer House season one, that was basically Kyle's ro uh, role on the show. Kyle is the glue, the pretty much the nucleus of the friend group, the cast that was casted on Summer House. And I believe I saw in an interview, Kyle said the only person that he did not know on season one was Steven. Everyone else he had been friends with, he had been in other summer houses with. So we see that casting was built around who Jasmine and Silas Cooper are friends with. We are introduced to Nick. We are introduced to Alex. We are introduced to Amir. There's this whole Kappa Alpha thing. I don't know anything about black fraternities. I know nothing about fraternities in general. So, you know, go Alpha, go Kappa. Um, you know, it's funny, <laughs> Amir said in his conf confessional, he's from the great state of Austin. Um, that was a funny moment, uh, Austin, Texas. Um, we're introduced to Jordan. I wrote, I'm looking at my notes, I'm reading from my notes. Um, and when I saw Jordan, I literally wrote her name and put two exclamation points because she's beautiful. And uh, Jordan was actually, you know, a Playboy Playmate of the year. Uh, she said she was the fourth black playmate and also the last one uh she said they saved the best for last and i believe they did um what i you know the moment amir meets jordan he is on it like amir is claiming his territory i think it's weird for guys to be like standing around saying which one you got assuming that they have them already you know, I, I think it's a little weird. I don't know if women do it as well when they are alone, but it's weird to watch men, like, be on the prowl and, like, be like, oh, this is mine. You don't know what's yours until she says she's yours. You know what I mean? Um, we get to this conversation that happened around the table where they're asking each other questions. And I like that part because we, as the, as the viewers, are, are getting to know the cast, so I like that they kind of did that icebreaker so we can get to know the cast more. Um, and then the the term black excellence comes up, and I believe that Preston, who seems to be like the voice of the show, the narrator of the show, the inspirational uh preacher of the show, um, he he said something in my opinion poignant about black excellence and basically you know who 
who are we doing this for? Um, what are we saying black excellence for? And if you don't know the definition, I'm going to read it to you. So the definition of black excellence, it means someone who is black, who portrays great qualities and abilities that make the black community proud. And basically Preston was like, you know, who has created the barometers of what black excellence looks like. And what I believe is kind of sad that we as a community felt the need to come up with a term to show the world that we are great, we can be great, and we are not what people think we are, you know? And I think that covers this, the whole broad spectrum of, you know, the stereotypes that exist out there in the world about the black community. So it seems like the term black excellence was birthed to show the world that, look, what you think about us is not really us. But the problem is, is that I don't think anyone should be living up to anyone's expectations and standards of who they think we or you should be. I say do you. I'd rather be the person working towards excellence, walking in excellence, constantly working towards my goal so the product of my life shows excellence instead of having to put this word out there to so people can see I believe that I'm excellent. And so I love what Preston said about, you know, that term black excellence kind of being played out like, you know, live your life and have your own standards because what you might consider excellent about your life, someone else might not see, see it as that great. And so like, who are you trying to make happy? You, you know, there's always going to be someone who sees the, your accomplishments as not that great. And so then what? When, when someone tells you, oh, I mean, you may believe your accomplishments are great, but look what I've accomplished. The, you know, then it becomes a competition. So I, I think that was a very valuable conversation. And I think it was a very valuable nugget for uh, Preston to drop at this table. Um, I, I really love that moment. Um, so we get... Uh, <laughs> We get to day two and, you know, everyone's just hanging out outside, chilling people in the pool. Alex is taking thirst traps by the water of his six pack. And I love this moment between Jasmine and Marie where we hear their story about them being homeless, living out of a car, taking showers at Planet Fitness. And that made me wonder, like, how many people out there are homeless living in their car and like sneaking in showers at Planet Fitness? Like, I, I, I didn't know that was a thing. And I love that they took the unfortunate circumstances of their life and created a show inspired by that struggle, you know, that that's really taking lemons and turning it into lemonade. Um, <laughs> we, we see Mariah and Jasmine discuss Bria, Bria's dog. The emotional support animal. Um, and I think even though Jasmine was well-intentioned, her delivery was way off because what it did was create conflict. Now, 
I understand why Jasmine is frustrated about the dog, even though it's an emotional support animal. You know, I believe that if you were staying in a house with a group of friends and someone is bringing a dog, you should let the host know so that the host can let the other guests know. Because what if there's someone with allergies? Like if it were me, I have allergies to to dogs. Pretty much the only kind of dog that I'm not allergic to has the name Doodle in it. Like I want to get a dog. I live in an apartment, so I'm not going to get a dog yet. But hopefully when I buy a house, I would love to get a dog. But it's going to have to be a doodle because I'm allergic. Now, if I showed up to this nice house in Martha's Vineyard, I think I'm just having a great summer with my friends. And someone shows up with a dog and no one informed me. I didn't bring my CMOS and bladder rat capsules. If you never heard of it, look it up. It'll change your life. I didn't bring my Zyrtec. So now I'm going to have to get production or a production assistant to go out and get me my allergy medicine so I'm not sneezing, so my eyes aren't watery, so my throat is not scratching. So I understand where Jasmine was coming from with Bria not informing them that she was bringing a dog. And if you're going to bring a dog on a trip, make sure you clean up after the dog. I will say, um, after Bria stormed out of the sunroom and she was going around to all the other people in the house saying that Jasmine said everyone has a problem with the dog. I will say Jasmine never said everyone had a problem with the dog. She just pointed out that you're not necessarily cleaning up after the dog the best way you probably could, Bria, which that is a valid point. It's just that Jasmine's delivery was terrible. Um, and then you see... Preston tried to mediate the situation, and that's when Bria just storms out. So it seems like Preston's trying to be the voice of reason. I don't know if, like, this is an act for him or if this is who he is as a person. Of course, this is the first episode, so we shall see. Um, And then we have this moment where Bria is on the couch with her legs and these things that help with uh, blood pressure, and then Preston... And Jasmine are at the kitchen table talking and talk. (laughs) Jasmine's talking about Bria and Bria's right there. And like Bria's like, "Uh, I'm right here. And then Jasmine just gets up and she's like, girl, what you doing? But I love that that awkward moment turned into resolution for Bria and Jasmine. Um, Where are my notes? Sorry. I lost myself. Um, I said, I love that Bria and Jasmine could have a do-over, take a beat, apologize, and own up to their part in the conflict in order to squash the beef. But I do believe that there's probably more beef between Bria and Jasmine. Because for this to only be the second day, and this is the conflict that transpired between them, I feel like there's some lingering tension that's going to explode throughout the season or one time through the season. Um, You know, one thing I will say against Jasmine, that if I offended you, then I apologize, is not an apology. That's what you call a non-apology apology. And that is a textbook housewife apology. If I offended you, you obviously did offend Bria. And instead of saying, if I offended you, 
you say, I realize that I hurt you and I am apologetic. I am sorry for the hurt that I caused you. That was not my intention. That is the start of an apology. That is an apology. Not if I offended you, then I apologize. I would just like to point that out. Um, so we see Bria and Jasmine make up and then they go to dinner. Um, I feel like Jasmine's trying to be the conductor of this group. You see that at dinner when Jasmine's trying to prompt a conversation about, like, I guess the struggles of being single and, you know, what people are doing with their life. And I love um, her sister cousin's response, Jordan. She was like, I would like to have an authentic conversation. And that means one without a prompt. Boom. That was a clock punch, Jordan. That was a quick comeback. I love that. Um, and then we, there was this weird moment where Silas talks about the fact that his wife, Jasmine, has been out with Jordan at, 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 until two, three o'clock in the morning. And for some reason, Silas is blaming Jordan for his wife being out until two three in the morning, and I don't believe that was the time nor the place for that conversation. Whatever is happening between you and your wife, that is a private conversation between you and your wife. That is not a conversation that you have in the dinner table among friends and that you try to blame the single friend of the group that she is the reason why your wife is out until two and three in the morning. If you know New York City, if you've been to New York City, New York City is a city that never sleeps. People are regularly out until 1, 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. I have been out many times in New York City until 1, 2, 3 o'clock in the morning because things are still open. Bars are still open. Clubs are still open. There are some restaurants that are open. You might be able to go get yourself a falafel from, you know, the metal carts on the street. You know, get you, you know, a gyro or something like, you know. Don't hate on the, the, the vibe of New York City just because you're lame and you want to stay in the bed. And you, maybe you should join your wife, you know? Maybe the days that your wife goes out with his, her girlfriends, you have a guy's night with the bros, you know? Compromise. Come up with something. But, like, having this conversation at the table, like I said, wrong time, wrong place. Um, yeah. I really liked the first episode of Summer House Martha's Vineyard. I think it's a great group dynamic. I think there are great conversations happening. Obviously, there uh, is some drama happening and there's drama to come. Like, I really think they had a great first showing. And I'm looking forward to see what this crew brings us on Bravo. Um, yeah. So when we return... We are going to get into the most recent episode of Summer House. This is not Summer House Martha's Vineyard, for those who might be confused. This is OG Summer House. Summer House OG, I call it OG. Summer House is the first one. It takes place in the Hamptons, and it is a completely different cast. Uh, so when we return, we talk about Summer House. And we are back. Um, so we have season seven, 
episode 13, and the episode is titled The Hangover. And you, this is a continuation from last week's episode when Carl and Lindsay got engaged. Uh, we continue with Carl proposing to Lindsay. I'm very happy for them. And I'm happy because we've watched for the last seven years Lindsay search for love. We've seen Lindsay with Everett. There was Lindsay with Payman. There was Lindsay got back with Everett. Uh, Lindsay, there was a guy who never made her a sandwich. Then Lindsay and Carl tried dating, but it didn't work. And then Lindsay and Carl came back to each other. So I'm happy for them. Carl is in a good place in his life. He is sober. He is happy. He is in love. And Lindsay is in love. And you can tell she's in love. And you can tell she is happy. This is the most happy I've ever seen Lindsay on the seven seasons of Summer House. So... I'm happy for them. After the proposal, in the next scene, we're in the kitchen, back in the summer house in the Hamptons, and Kyle is rounding out the bunch, up the bunch to let them know what is happening at this time, and that is Carl just proposed to Lindsay. This <laughs> is the beginning of Danielle spiraling. Just like throughout the night, she just spiraled. It, it, it got really awkward. Danielle felt upset because Carl did not let her know that Carl was proposing to Lindsay. Now, you know, I'm a guy, so I don't know, I don't know if it's normal for the female best friend to be involved in the marriage proposal to their girlfriend. Like, I, I don't know if that's a thing. I, I would never be upset if one of my my boys didn't make me part of their marriage proposal. Like, I would love to know, you know, hey, you know, I'm about to propose. Like, my my boy Seth, one of my best friends, we've been friends for, like, 14, 15 years. Um, his wife, I've been friends with since the seventh grade. And I remember Seth pulling me into their guest bedroom um, in their apartment, and Seth took me to the closet and got out his golf bag and showed me hit the engagement ring for Hope and, and told me, you know, I, I'm going to propose. And I, I think we both got emotional and I, I was so happy for them. So, like, it felt good to, like, have that little nugget and be part of it in that way. But I would not expect Seth to keep, to have me part of his proposal. So I don't know if it's different for girls than it is with guys, but I really did not understand why... Danielle started unraveling. The reason why I think she started unraveling, because I guess the moment she heard that she wasn't a part of the engagement in any way, I think in Danielle's mind, that means, well, if I'm not part of the engagement, am I a bridesmaid? Am I a maid of honor? Am I a matron of honor? Am I even invited to the wedding? Like, I think in this moment, it hit Danielle that, oh, this might be it. And instead of sitting in that and acknowledging that and feeling the need to like rectify the situation with Lindsay, Danielle just starts getting upset and cursing and saying like, you know, she's done with them and you know, they did this on purpose and everyone else in the house is looking like, you know, this is awkward. And you know, the question, my question is, do you think Danielle's going to be invited to the wedding? Especially if the wedding is going to be filmed for next season of Summer House. If 
um, Danielle is still part of the cast, and the rest of the cast goes to the wedding. It would be weird and um, explosive, and it would create conflict if Danielle wasn't invited. I feel like that would be part of the storyline for next season if Lindsay and Carl's wedding is filmed for the show. Um, So then Danielle starts going off. I think Danielle knows this is the end. Maya runs out the kitchen to call Sierra, who's not at the house, to let Sierra know that Carl and Lindsay are engaged. My question is, what is Maya bringing to the show? Like, other... The the only thing I remember about Maya is Maya confronting Lindsay about, like, Lindsay feeling uncomfortable with Maya hanging out with Carl, and that was kind of it. Then she kind of faded into the background, and then I felt like Maya was missing for a while and wasn't in the house, and now Maya's back, and then running out the house to gossip to Sierra. And all I'm wondering is, Maya, what are you really doing on the show? Like, what are you bringing to this show? That is my question. That is for my question for you, the listeners. Um, you know, I, I, I will admit... You know, especially when they're showing those flashbacks of Danielle consoling Lindsay, you know, with her relationship troubles, the past ones. Lindsay has been there. Not Lindsay. Danielle has been there for Lindsay. We have seen Danielle be there for Lindsay, but it's kind of weird to be there the whole time. And then now your best friend is getting married to presumably the love of her life. His love. Yeah, the love of her life. And you're also friends with the person that she's getting engaged to. And, you know, I understand. There's probably many friends out there who have friends who might be in relationships with people that you might not like, who might be getting married to people that you might not be sure they're the right person. But, you know, I think that's none of your business. You know, stay out of grown folks' business. Stay out of people's relationship business. You know, your job as a friend is to be there when the friend needs you, not to intervene in their relationships and let them know, I think you're making the right, wrong decision. I think you're moving too fast, especially when you moved in with your boyfriend, like, after a couple of months. It just seems hypocritical. Um, So um, we get to... I guess the engagement party. And I love that Carl flew in Lindsay's family and friends. Like, that is such a great gesture. You could see that Lindsay was surprised, I guess. According to Paige, Lindsay was not surprised. Maybe not surprised about the engagement, but maybe she wasn't, maybe she was surprised about the engagement party. Both can be true. Um, Before they go, to the beach engagement. Danielle is losing it in the bathroom, crying, trying to calm herself down. Danielle was complaining earlier about being in dungarees, going to uh, an engagement party, and it seems like she ended up wearing dungarees, also known as jeans, but she decided to put a pink blazer over it. Um, And she is freaking out in the bathroom, and producer Nathan is trying to call her down. And Nathan told her, like, you don't have to go to this engagement party. And Danielle's like, no, I can't imagine not going. And Danielle knows that if she's not there, it's going to create a bigger situation. So I'm happy Danielle went to the engagement celebration at the beach. Um, 
you get to the beach engagement party and Danielle starts going around complaining to Lindsay, Lindsay's friends and family about how Danielle was not part of the engagement plans. Danielle, what on earth are you doing? Wrong time, wrong place. This was the moment to put on a face, even if it's a fake face, and be happy that your friends are engaged. This was not the time and the place to air your grievances about not being involved in the engagement because it makes you look crazy and it makes it look like you're trying to make their special moment about you. And it's not about you. It is about Lindsay and Carl. So Lindsay and Carl walk in. Lindsay's surprised. Lindsay comes to start hugging people that are at the party for her. And you see Danielle smiling in the background. See, that's what Danielle should have been doing the whole time. Smiling, hating on the inside, but smiling on the outside. Um, and she didn't do that. She she failed at that mission. Um, I loved when Paige in her confessional was like, she wore shoulder pads to the beach. No one shows up to the beach in shoulder pads. I love Paige. Paige is witty. Um, Paige knows how to make drama happen on the show. You might not think Paige brings anything to the show. You might not think, you might think that Paige is a mean girl, but what you don't understand is that Paige knows how to make conflict happen. Paige knows how to stir the pot. Paige knows when to insert herself, offer her opinion to get someone to plant a seed to be watered so then it can move the story and create conflict for us to enjoy. So those are one of the several reasons why I love Paige. Don't hate on me about that. But like Paige did have a point. Like this was supposed to be a beach bonfire, not her engagement. It turns out it was her engagement. But Lindsay was wearing a nice dress. Lindsay had her hair done. Lindsay had her hair curled. And Lindsay did wear shoulder pads to the beach. Do you wear shoulder pads to the beach? Like, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Maybe. Do you think it's possible that, like, production told Lindsay, hey, maybe you should dress up a little? Or maybe Carl was like, you know, baby, you should dress up a little. You know, that that's a really good question. Did Lindsay know she was being proposed to? Do most women know when they're being proposed to? That's my question. I feel like I have a lot of questions. I hope you guys are writing this down. I expect answers, you know. <laughs> you can reach out to me on the Instagram page for the podcast, Bravo Tea with Jared B, if you want to answer the several questions I have put out in this podcast episode. Um... So then Carl, Kyle tells Carl that Danielle is upset about not being involved in the uh, proposal. This is another situation. Wrong time, wrong place. Do you know how pissed I would be if I just got engaged to the love of my life and one of my friends comes up to me at my engagement party to tell me another friend is upset that they weren't involved in my engagement. I not the time, not the place. Save it for the next day. Save it for next week. But on the other hand, I understand why Kyle did it. 
It's a reality show. You know, you know, right there, when Kyle told that to uh, Carl, Carl was, uh, Kyle was moving story. You know, he planted a seed with Carl. Carl watered those seeds when the next day at the beach when they were playing flag football, he told Lindsay and then Lindsay got upset. So like, you know, at the same time, I understand why Kyle pulled Carl aside to tell him. But on the other hand, if that if I were Carl, I wouldn't have wanted to have that conversation. Like, this is, you know, we just got engaged. I don't want to hear about someone not being happy for us and not being, you know, be, and being upset for not being involved in my engagement. It's not about her. It is not about Danielle. Um, so the next day at flag football on the beach, like I said, Carl tells Lindsay that Kyle told him that Danielle was upset and that it's not about Danielle. That's what Lindsay said. And uh, Danielle didn't make it about her. You know, um, let's see. And then you see Corey and Sam have a time, you know, have a moment together. I really like Corey and Sam. I think the best decision that production made this season on Summer House was to bring Corey on the show because the show was a little lame. It was a little boring. People were in the bed at 10 o'clock at night. Kyle's partying, standing on the kitchen counter by himself, listening to music with one or two other people. And this is a summer house. People are supposed to be getting drunk. People are supposed to be hooking up. People are supposed to be arguing. People are supposed to be falling over. People are supposed to be drunk eating in the kitchen at three o'clock in the morning. And none of that was happening. I feel like until Corey showed up and then Corey and Sam had a love connection. But one, one, one thing I want to point out is that when Sam is asking, you know, what is this? Where do we go from here? Notice what Corey said. Corey said, I would like to see you more. Corey did not say, I want to date, did not agree to dating. Corey did not say we're exclusive. Corey did not say we are boyfriend and girlfriend. Corey says that I would like to see you more. I think Corey knows I think Corey is very smart, and I think Corey knew what he was doing in that moment because, say, things did not work out well between Sam and Corey, even though they are together today and seem happy based on what we seem, see on social media. You know, say, like, Corey screws Sam over, and Sam's like, well, you led me on and said that you wanted to date and be in a relationship. Corey can go back and be like, watch the clip. I never said we were dating. I never said I wanted to be in a relationship. I said I wanted to see you more. Boom. Think about it. Think about it. So then we move on to Gabby's blind date. Gabby has grown on me. I didn't know if I liked her in the beginning because Gabby seemed a little bit snobby. Gabby seemed to like talk about money in a way as if to impress people, even though people in the house did they they don't seem to be impressed by money. If you live in New York City, money is all around you. You know, they're out in the Hamptons. There's money all around them. So I think Gabby has grown on me. And I love that, you know, she was open on this blind date. Um, you know, and she didn't ask about the guy's horoscope. That's a win for Gabby. Good for you. Gabby has grown 
Gabby has become better, and I hope they keep Gabby, just like I hope they keep Sam, and I hope they keep Chris on the show for next season, because I've really grown to like them. Um, we move on to the scene between Kyle and Amanda in their apartment, and I will say who Kyle and Amanda are as a married couple is a breath of fresh air. I feel like for the past several years, we have been watching Kyle and Amanda argue, go back and forth. Amanda is not happy with Kyle's behavior because Kyle is, you know, late 30s, now 40, and Kyle is getting blackout drunk and, you know, acting in a way that doesn't make Amanda feel comfortable. And they got married, and I don't think they have argued one time this season. That has been shown to us. They might have had arguments, but clearly production didn't feel like it was great enough to, you know, put in the show if they have had arguments. So I really like where Kyle and Amanda are. And it's nice to see. Um, Then after that, (laughs) we see the crew are heading back to the summer house for another weekend. And this conversation between um, Paige and Craig was funny. Because Craig is talking about how, you know, he loves that all the couples in the house are in different stages. He says, you know, Kyle and Amanda are married. Carl and Lindsay are engaged. Corey and Sam are starting to date. And then he was like, you and I. And Paige is like, are chilling. And I laughed so hard at that moment because Paige is sending clear signals to Craig that let I don't want this to move too fast. And you can tell that Craig wants an answer of what is next in the relationship. And I don't think Craig understands. Like, he lives in Charleston, South Carolina. Maybe he's used to the idea of women giving up their lives, giving up their careers to become a homemaker, to move to wherever the man is. Maybe he's used to that thing. I'm not saying that's a Southern thing. That might be a Craig thing. That might be something that Craig has as an expectation of Paige. But I don't think Craig understands that Paige is a boss. Paige is an independent woman. Paige is from New Jersey, I think if all you have known is the tri-state area your whole life, and the tri-state area is New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut, you know, that's a fast life, that's fast living, and I think to go from that to Charleston, South Carolina, which is just a little quieter, a little calmer, you know, they still party, but like, you know, Paige has mentioned that, you know, past 10, you can't get anything on Uber Eats. I live in Atlanta. And I know past 10, you really can't find anything to eat other than like Crystal's or McDonald's or Wendy's, you know, where in New York City, it could be two in the morning and you have a plethora of options to eat. You know, you could walk down the street to the bodega and get yourself, you know, chicken over rice with white and, you know, some hot sauce, some white sauce and some hot sauce. If you've never been to a bodega and gotten yourself some chicken over rice with white sauce... If you ever go to New York, go to a bodega. You need to order that. You'll thank me later. So I don't think Craig fully understands that Paige probably will never give up her life to move to Charleston. And I don't think Craig would give up his life to move to New York. I don't see Craig in New York. Craig is not a New Yorker. 
Craig is a Charlestonian. And that's that. So I don't know what's going to happen between them. But Paige is like, we're good right now. We're having a good time. And how things are, she likes it the way they they are, you know? And I guess we're going to see if that's good enough for Craig. Because it seems like Craig wants to be engaged and wants to be married. Um... Then we, we, after that, um, it comes up again what, you know, Danielle being unhappy with uh, not being part of Lindsay and Carl's engagement. And then we see Lindsay's confessional. And I have to say, I knew Lindsay's friends were going to tell her what Danielle was saying at the engagement party. Because Danielle went around to too many friends airing her grievances about not being involved in the engagement. Like, that's Danielle's fault. She, like I said, wrong time, wrong place. Maybe if she went to one friend, Lindsay wouldn't have found out, but we saw Danielle speak to like six different people, and that's just what we saw. Danielle could have spoken to 15 different people the whole night, and I knew Lindsay Lindsay's friends were going to tell her what Danielle was doing. If I were Lindsay and Carl watching this back, watching the season back, I, I don't think there's any moving forward from Lindsay, Carl, and Danielle. And if I'm Danielle watching this season back, I'm wondering, does Danielle feel vindicated in how she's been this whole season? Like, or or is Danielle being like, oh, wow, I came off as an a-hole this season, and I need to fix this between me and my friends, Carl and Lindsay. So I'm really looking forward to the reunion to see how things pan out between Danielle, Lindsay, and Carl, because I don't want Danielle to leave the show. I like Danielle. I don't think Danielle should be thrown away because technically, this is probably Danielle's worst season. Of all seven seasons, this is the first season where I'm like, "Mm, I'm not really feeling Danielle. I don't think that's a cause to fire someone. I'm just saying bravo. Don't fire her. Um... So, the last scene of the episode, we're at dinner at Capri. And this conversation happens between the missing Robert, and I say missing because Robert is a chef, and so Robert does not get to come around a lot. And so, I I found it interesting that a man who um, can seldom show up at the summer house, the moment he does, he decides to pull Carl aside and and air the grievances of Danielle about not being involved in the engagement. Again, wrong time, wrong place. Like, what's with Danielle? Kyle had a moment telling something to Carl that he probably shouldn't have, that Danielle was upset. That wasn't the right moment. And then here's Danielle's boyfriend, Robert, airing his grievances, you know, a week after the engagement. They should have waited a month after the engagement. We would have gotten to, we wouldn't have gotten to see this conversation, so I'm grateful it happened, but, like, if I were to put myself in Lindsay and Carl's shoes, after an engagement, you're kind of, like, in this moment of bliss. You're in a love bubble. Nothing can stop you guys. Nothing's gonna pop your love bubble. And, you know, Danielle has popped the love bubble. Carl has, Kyle has contributed to popping the love bubble. And now Robert is having a moment with Carl that results in Carl storming off. And if I were Carl, I would storm off too. I would be like, I'm done with this crap. 
Like, wh- why, why can't anyone just be happy for us and not, like, start drama? Like, just celebrate us, congratulate us, and keep your opinions to yourself. But aren't we happy no one keeps their opinions to themselves? Because that, that's why we watch this mess. That's why we watch Summer House. That's why we watch Winter House. That's why we watch Vanderpump Rules. That's why we watch The Real Housewives for these moments. So even though we like can sit back and like judge them and be like, oh, I wouldn't have handled it the way they have, you know, you have to understand that this is also a reality show. And these people are being paid to produce content. And that's what they're doing. And I'm grateful. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I'm not sure this is long, but this thing has been recording for a while. But um, thank you for listening. I appreciate the support. You know, this podcast can be listened to any and everywhere you can listen to a podcast. Please leave a review. Please leave if you would like to, five stars. If you don't think I deserve five stars, don't leave any stars. But please comment. Please rate the podcast. Please tell your friends, family, and coworkers about this podcast. I really want to grow this community. Again, I appreciate the support, and I hope you guys have a fantastic day. Until next time, everyone. And stay tuned for a brand new episode that will drop on Friday. Have a good one, everyone. Bye.